0: Welcome to Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs, the podcast for busy and high-performing entrepreneurs and leaders who are looking to create more energy and optimize their health while upgrading their brain and personal performance with precision. I am your host, Julian Hayes II. I've been involved with health and performance for over a decade. This podcast was created for the high performer who is unapologetically ambitious, the one who moves at a fast pace and operates with an edge, the one who wants to become superhuman. Nothing here is fluff, gimmicky, or feel good. I have little to no interest in simply helping you improve your life. I want to help transform it. By listening to this podcast, expect to have a body that feels just as good as it looks. Expect to possess a swagger and style that gives off an infectious vibe. Expect to command the stage or any boardroom you walk into with your executive presence. And lastly, expect to become your most enhanced self so you can live a limitless life. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome everyone to another episode of Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Julian Hayes II, and today we are talking about three of my favorite things, fitness, business, and music. And I have a very special guest with me. Her name is Lauren Puffpath. She is the co-founder and CEO of Feed.fm, which is simply a fitness tech music provider. But to me, it's much more than that, and we're going to dive into that. So without further ado, Lauren, how's it going?
1: Going well. Thanks so much for having me today. You you have the same three favorite subjects as I do. It happens. So.
0: Awesome. See, I know this is going to be a great thing.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so
0: we got to start. You are a DJ. You are you still a DJ?
1: I am. I am still a DJ. I obviously I'm not playing in clubs right now, and actually had kind of tapered that off to some degree, especially after having a child a couple mm-hmm. years ago. It just, those two things are kind of hard to manage <laughs> together, but I do still do lots of mixes, keep up with music, would be happy to share my MixCloud profile if you want to listen to
0: it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll put that in the show notes if we can.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. My, okay. what, what I do mostly these days is a sort of deep house, new disco flavor. Mm-hmm. So it's in the chill, like 120 BPM, lots of funk. I like a lot of organic sounds in my Mm -hmm. house versus things that lean more, um, you know, synthesized on the techno side. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a mishmash of sounds.
0: Yeah. What got you into DJing?
1: You know, it's a funny story. So I went to Berlin when I was 17 and like I studied German for many, many years and went to Berlin and somehow... Made it went my way out one night and went to a rave, which I had no idea what that even was at the time. And <laughs> started listening to electronic music and just got, um, just had just this visceral reaction to everything that was happening. Everybody moving in time, the whole thing was pretty incredible. And I was there were no I wasn't even on drugs, but it was just a, a really incredible experience. And I when I got back to the states, I just started buying vinyl, saved my money up for turntables, learned how to DJ in college, and just kind of took it from there I've always been partial to vinyl it's just it's just more fun and the skill it takes to mix is a different um sort of a different breed from what you can do now with all of the the synthesized beat matchers but I mean realistically and pragmatically you sort of have to play mp3s nowadays as well it's not realistic to lug a creative vinyl around with you but I kind of go back and forth between the two
0: yeah, it's, it's just something different though when you carry when you carry it with you than it is now. It's it's, it's kind of like it's convenient to have a bunch of books on your Kindle, but right. there's still something about it's just still- holding the book in your hand. So when it comes to another thing with DJing, what was um what's been what's one of your most memorable performances?
1: Oh gosh, that's a that's a great question. You know, I've always loved playing outside. Mm-hmm. And I um, have played tons of outdoor day parties around the Bay Area. And, and I think it was probably five or six years ago, I was able to play on the Bay in Oakland with some of my favorite other DJs. It was a beautiful day. I think those memories of just sunshine on the water, seeing my friends dancing, I, it's just, it's like, I don't know, kind of gives me chills even just thinking about it. I miss mm-hmm. those days.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, I, I didn't. I haven't attended too many festivals or any of that. I think the probably I went to Bonnaroo one time, and I went to
1: Bonnaroo. Yeah. yeah,
0: and this is an embarrassing story, but it's okay. So <laughs> I'm not really, I'm not really much of an outdoorsy guy, and so there you got to camp, mm-hmm. and um, I tore my tent the first night. Oh no! Because I just got like claustrophobic, and so I just slept in a car, <laughs> and it was very, it was very because I have a very small car, and at that time. And so um, I'm about six foot, so it was kind of inconvenient. So I basically just didn't sleep that much for for four days,
1: but still had a great time. I'm sure.
0: Absolutely, it's the first time I've it's the first time I've ever got sunburned. I didn't know I could get sunburned, so it, it took a lot of. I put it on in the morning, and I thought when you put sunscreen on or whatever, um, that you just got to put it on once. <laughs> Nobody told me that. Uh, you got to re- reapply it. So so I came back pink. I came oh, back yeah. pink and brown. So um, so. Have you always been just attracted to music, even as a little girl?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I started playing instruments when I was uh, seven or eight. I started playing saxophone, Mm -hmm. clarinet. I did marching band, very sexy and glamorous um, for many years, years, actually through high school and college, Um, which, you know, it has a bad rap. Like the band geeks kind of get a bad rap, but...
0: There's some hip band geeks. There's some hip ones.
1: I actually think it's really incredible for your development a lot of different ways because you're memorizing steps and placement on the football field and mm-hmm. you have to memorize all the music at the same time. And there's, you know, you have your movements are meant to be very crisp and precise. And so I think mean, just like physically the coordination plus memorizing the music, there's actually, it's actually a pretty a pretty good thing for you. So yeah, I played, I have played instruments forever and, um, you know, got into DJing and throughout, and we can talk about career stuff as well, but throughout my career had always kind of maintained or, or had this hope that I would find a way to bring that personal passion together Mm -hmm. with, with the business side of things. And so that, you know, with feed FM, I feel very fortunate to get to both handle, you know, work with my team on curation. So they're curating music and playlists and soundtracks for our customers, but then also, you know, try and build a business from scratch. So it's a,
0: Yeah. So I, I, you know, speaking of your, the company, your company um, I kind of see the benefits you just talked about with being in the marching band and then also the creativity, the spontaneity that comes with being a DJ. And I kind of see how that's infused in your company. So where's, what's the origin story of feed.fm? How'd you, what's the beginning of this?
1: Yeah, so I have two co-founders, Jeff Yasuda and Eric Lambrecht, our CEO and CTO, mm-hmm. and they had been working on a consumer music platform, which um, those are tough. <laughs> I'll just say that it's very much a winner-take-all scenario, mm-hmm. and they had a lot of success and got really big and then had some struggles with the rights holders, with the labels, and ended up deciding to pivot and move into B2B. And we sort of all came together at that time with some seed funding a basic idea of a product and just trying to figure out how do we bring it to market? Is there really a need for this? And at that point, a, a acquaintance who was working at Anna Hazard Bush called us up and said, okay, we spend $80 million a year. This was five years ago. We spend $80 million a year on festivals and state fairs and you know all kinds of outdoor music events. And we, A, don't really have a good way to track what's happening while people are there. And B, like, we can't figure out how to legally put music in the apps for these events. Can you guys help us? So we knew that there was actually a big opportunity there. Like, how can we, so you've got businesses trying to do digital music, they're not going to have time or money to go directly deal with the labels and the publishers. Like we can become this middleman and find a way to do it really efficiently and handle the the hardest parts of it, which are number one, the licensing number two, the curation and the the selection. And then number three, the tech, how do you get it all into an app, stream it, track it, pay out all the rights holders, et cetera. So it just, there just was this huge hole and we've saw a way to kind of jump in there and fill it. And it's, it, it, we've worked with all kinds of different types of businesses from American Eagle Outfitters to Golden State Warriors. Um, but as you probably saw from our website, we're pretty focused on fitness right now. Mm-hmm. There's There are. It's, there has been a major boom in at-home fitness in the last five or six years, but then this year it's just a whole nother level because gyms are yeah. closed.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, be, I bet so. So You spoke, you just said that you're mainly focused on uh, a lot of it now is toward fitness. So did this evolution, even if you recognize that gap at the very beginning, was it smooth sailing or did you have to go through a couple of different iterations on kind of the direction of the company?
1: It took us a little while to find product market fit, for sure. So, you know, we, the whole, this idea of product market fit is with startups is, it's sort of murky. They always say, well... We can't tell you how they get it, but you'll know when you have it right? because the market's going to be pulling you flywheel. It's, it starts spinning, you know, sales cycles get shorter. There's all kinds of ways to measure it. So we were fortunate to have a really great investor who gave us a very methodical way to approach it. You, you know, you, you take a guess at who your target audience is and what they need and you get it in front of them as many of them as you possibly can as fast as you can give it six or eight weeks. Is anybody, is anybody biting? Is anybody interested? If no, boom, move on to the next target. And so, you know, we, we really approached it methodically and it's, it's tough because you get a kind of red herrings along the way. Like you get a couple of really interested buyers and you think, okay, it's retail. Definitely. Mm-hmm. It's retail. It's not retail. <laughs> you know. So So it really, for us, it was very much a, purposeful, um, deliberate path to get to fitness.
0: Mm -hmm. Why do you think it's, um, like fitness was the one that caught on so much? What do you think it was about that?
1: Well, so music and working out are just so intrinsically related. Like it just, it's something you need. And the time, some of it is luck and timing too, right? Just the timing of digital fitness exploding as we had this product ready to go to market And there are, it's hard to do the right thing when it comes to licensing there. there It's, there's no like step one, two, three, four, five, three months, boom, you've got it. Like from a business perspective, it's been challenging, even when you have the capital and the time to do the right thing. So, you know, I think a music's really important to workouts B the timing was such that the market started to explode and C you know, I think our offerings pretty simple. Like we simplify it for everybody. Mm -hmm. So it's those three things.
0: Yeah. Um, so during that process of of building the company, you and your your co founders, how are you um, mentally? Because I'm sure there's some. It was pretty stressful. So how are mm-hmm. you kind of keeping yourself on the straight and narrow as best as you can? It
1: is incredibly stressful. You're right. I, one of our board members one time likened it to be, building a startup. Is So you're in a plane and you're flying towards a mountain and you get up over the mountain and then there's another one, (laughs) you get up over the mountain and there's another one. So it it does feel like there, there's just an endless number of things to figure out. You know, we have, my my co-founders and I have all, we're not new. (laughs) We're not junior. I'm trying to think of a nice way to say it. We're more mature. I'll say that. A little more seasoned. There you go. Wise. We're wise. Yeah. And um, that's been really helpful as well, just because there's no, like when things go wrong, there's no blame, there's no finger pointing. It's okay, great. How can we figure out what to do next time to avoid something like this? So some of it is just finding the right partners. I think that's been incredibly helpful. We as a company have also always been a a big proponent of balance and it's easier said said than done. Very much so. (laughs) But we do really try to, message to our team and also live this way ourselves. Okay. Particularly this year, because th- everything, all bets are off this year, but for instance, for our team members that have kids block off the time you need to deal with the kids. Don't try to multitask and do everything at once. Like we're all figuring this out together. If you don't have kids block off time, go for a hike. If the air is clear, um, you know, get out, do like, trying to find ways to keep that, keep your mental sanity. You know, there's, we've been talking a lot this year about how do we not just survive, but also thrive
0: Yes.
1: because there, there is an opportunity to figure out ways to help businesses pivot because fitness has had to go digital. There's mm-hmm. no choice anymore. Right. And so we've done a lot of product iteration to try and figure out how to help businesses as they're having to really rapidly figure out their digital strategy. But anyway, I, I think part of it is it, that it's, the reason we still like each other (laughs) Mm -hmm. is that, um, you know, we we genuinely really do try to push for balance and to be there for each other as we need it.
0: Yeah. I like that. You, you have principles that that you're living by no matter what. And I think that helps you. And I also like when you mentioned that, you know, even in chaos or the times that we're in right now, that still can be an opportunity Mm -hmm. and it's all about your perspective and how you look at that. And And so you mentioned your partners and having kind of that shoulder to lean on. Do you think it's generally a good idea when you're forming a startup to have co-founders?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think it's tough to have all the skill sets you need in a single person because it's everything from obviously building the product. You need an engineer. Mm -hmm. If, If you're assuming you're doing software. You need a really brilliant engineer. You need the finance side of things, somebody who can raise money. You need the operational side of things. You need marketing. You need all of the things. (laughs) So, you know, I think that it really is worthwhile to take your time if you're considering a startup and make sure you find the right people. And there are lots of different ways to do that. One would be maybe work on a small project together as a team. Mm -hmm. Just figure out if your work styles flow together is, I think, there's a quote that I use oftentimes, which is about really having a bias for action as you're thinking about big life choices, meaning try to try it out in a small chunk, right? Like maybe maybe you think you want to be a founder, then go interview some founders and figure out what like what is their day to day actually like versus quitting your job and starting, you know, taking taking out a bunch of funding. So I think Similarly with, with co-founders, if you can find a way to spend time together and really understand their work style before you dive in, because it is going to be hard no matter what, then it's, gonna, it's helpful.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like that advice. Um, mentioning fit, helping people with their fitness right now through this music, how do you I'm curious, how do you measure like success and impact with that?
1: Yes, lots of ways. So, um, well, so we we lean on a bunch of research that's been done in an academic setting to help Mm -hmm. us understand how music really does impact your fitness. And there's lots of it now, which is fantastic. So things like uh, improving endurance. So measurable impact of up to 15 percent improvement in muscle endurance with music. That is the right music for you.
0: Yeah, I can see that because I I just got we were just talking I just got done with the run and yeah. it didn't seem like nine miles, oh, and nice. and um and I think because certain songs come on at just the right time, and it's like you just get a boost.
1: Well, and and it's a double effect where you're you have better muscle endurance, but also perceived less exertion, mm. so it doesn't feel as hard, which mm-hmm. is pretty impactful. And I'm I'm also actually writing a content piece right now about music's ability to bring heart rate down, blood pressure down. And, you know, it, so it stimulates arousal in either direction, whether you're trying to go up or down. So lots of really compelling science that we leverage there.
0: Is it a certain type of music that uh, in your, in your um, piece that you're writing or
1: it is, it is, I mean, it's a classical really, truly does work the best.
0: In terms yeah. Of I, 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 that's what I was thinking in my head. It had to be something along those lines.
1: There was a there's a particular study I was just reading from University of Chicago Medical School. And that the two points of comparison they used were Mozart and ABBA. And not surprisingly, (laughs) ABBA does not bring your heart rate
0: down.
1: (laughs) No surprise. But then uh, but back to your question. So then the way how do we measure the impact of music for our customers? We look at a couple different things. So we can measure for for. User exercisers who listen to music versus those who don't we look at how long were their session times how mm-hmm. were they able, did they complete a workout? number one so that's kind of in session. And then number two, how likely were they to come back? like are they sticking with their routines? are they sticking with their workouts? And ultimately because all of these fitness apps are subscription based, the longer you can keep somebody in the app and coming back, obviously that impacts your bottom line as well. So ultimately we're looking at return on investment overall and it's the stats are really compelling I mean we've been doing this now for about three years in fitness we've got literally millions of unique users and the average impact and retention that our customer sees 2x with music so meaning that a, a customer is two times as likely in a given quarter to come back and work out again if there's music integrated into the app
0: oh nice yeah nice. So,
1: and we really as we're talking to our prospects and Going through sales cycles, we really try to approach it from the perspective that music is a benefit. It's not a cost center. Like this is going to improve your business overall. Think of it
0: that way. That was going to be my next question: Is that when you go up to different businesses and you're talking about music, you know, it's it's, that's a different that's a different quote unquote sale, yes, than than what they're typically used to. And so. so. Cause I kind of think of it in the same lines of going to do corporate wellness at times.
1: It's Mm -hmm. a different
0: sale because it's sometimes it's not as easy to see direct results from it. Mm
1: -hmm. That's a very astute point. It is a very different cell. (laughs) So there's, you know, I think first of all, looking at the business stats, like this isn't, this isn't just a feel good fluffy brand thing. This Mm -hmm. is really important for your business. That's kind of the starting point. Frankly, there's, um, a lot of increased scrutiny on fit, fitness businesses by the rights holders, by the labels and the publishers right now. And that is not a bad thing for us. <laughs> so you may have heard last this summer, um, Peloton settled.
0: Oh, no, I didn't.
1: Lawsuits out of court. So they got s- sued by the RIAA, the recording industry, America for basically playing songs they shouldn't have played. And, that we there we like we love the peloton folks they're friends of ours we wish them no ill um the publicity around that i think gave some of our potential customers a little bit more impetus to move things along and figure out their music strategy because peloton's really tried tried to do the right thing they've built out a whole music department they've built-in infrastructure and still it actually is just extremely challenging for a variety of reasons that we can go into if you want to to make sure that the right that the right people get paid so I think just the fact that all of the rights holders are really scrutinizing fitness apps right now because they've gotten so big that's that has um, sort of heightened visibility for what we're trying to do as we sell into these businesses as well
0: yeah, it's a very complex issue, this this whole licensing thing. And I know it is it's you know, we're talking about the, the fitness apps here, but I mean, even things like I think YouTube or just using it on social media posts, you know, there's all these rules. And I mean, if you try to Google it, oh my goodness, you're gonna get ten to fifteen different perspectives on what you can do. So I can definitely see um why there's a need to kind of have a streamlined approach that, mm-hmm. that you, that you all are doing.
1: We do a lot of education, whether or not we're the right solution for people, mm-hmm. we try to steer them in the direction that is legal because a, we don't, you know, don't want them to get in trouble, but also we want the artists to get paid. Like we mm-hmm. want to help people do the right thing. So yeah, we do lots of education. Um, to your point about resources online, I, I recently wrote some content for our website. It's like a music licensing 101, and my objective was to simplify and use just plain language. And I can't tell you how hard it was.
0: <laughs> it was <really>
1: <laughs> just to get at like basic FAQ, you know, really simple page together. It was extremely time-consuming because it's just such a complicated topic and things change all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious what's the what's the most challenging aspect of of your of your job at this current stage right now
1: for the company or my specific job?
0: Let's say, let's say you,
1: let's see. Well, focus is, is a big challenge for me and the company we've yeah. got, I like think, I mentioned, there's a lot of opportunity right now. We've got a lot of different directions we can head, but we're a small team. There's only 15 of us. It's a small team. So, is it,
0: kind of, is, it, so is it kind of sometimes when you say focus and um, it's almost like the paradox of choice, you have so much choice now that you, Need constraints, maybe.
1: The hardest part is saying no. I mm-hmm. think, especially as a startup, when you're in the early days, you say yes to everything. Bad deals, any deal, free deals, whatever you can do. Like you're just really trying to get the wheels in motion. And so, um, there's at some point you have to discipline yourself and start to say, "Yes, there's an opportunity there, but that doesn't along with our align with our long term priorities. We're going to have to walk away from it in the short term." It's It's a tough thing to do because we, I mean, we're all incredibly passionate about what we're doing and we just want to do more of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's hard sometimes to say no.
0: Yeah. So I'm sure you're a few steps ahead of of a lot of entrepreneurs now. So they, I imagine they're probably asking you sometimes, uh, like, how do you go about making good decisions? Or, you know, what's your decision-making process? What, how do you recommend others to really know if this is a good opportunity for them or not? Is that like a framework that you kind of go by?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. But again, the, the hard part is the discipline to stick to it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we look at our five-year plan and our basically five-year and one-year. So, you know, the sort of big audacious, sort of the longer-term goals. But in a year from now, where do we want to be? What's important to us? What problems do we think we can solve? And then kind of back into that every quarter. Okay. Are we doing the right things that get us to that goal? That goal changes sometimes and that's okay, but you have to constantly reevaluate re- at the high level. Are we as a team working towards the things that will get us to that goal? And then individually, am I every day, am I doing things that will get us to that goal? And so I think, um, we sometimes do a really good job at it and sometimes get distracted and just move fast. Cause I'm sure you know, there's a there's never a lack of things to do. <laughs> so you just can never. get busy and sort of running in the hamster wheel of getting things done and being busy. But busy for the sake of busy doesn't get you really where you want to be. So we're, we really try on a yearly, quarterly, and monthly basis to evaluate priorities and make sure that we're still tracking to that longer term goal.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to think that you know, if you're like at the very, very beginning, then I think just taking action and, and just throwing flurries like you're a boxer, just throwing just throwing punches everywhere mm-hmm. is the most important thing. And then kind of as you go along or, you know, maybe this is a boxing analogy, maybe about seven or eight or something. You kind of got to be a little more strategic in when you're going to throw your jabs and everything.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and because the the opportunities get bigger, but the risk gets bigger, too, because you've got a bigger mm-hmm. team that you want to take care of. You've got goals for, you know, a broader set of people. And so it feels like the the impact of the decisions feels like mm-hmm. it gets heavier somehow. Mm-hmm.
0: How'd you go about building your team? Did you? Is there certain? Were there certain things that you were looking for? Because I know different different founders and and um, they have different preferences and every and different ways of going about building teams.
1: So culture has been really important to us from the beginning. It's something that we've we've tried to be intentional about, and so we've always use the, you know, could I sit down and have a beer with this person and go for a walk with this person? Is this generally somebody that I want to spend a, t- a lot of time with because I will be spending a lot of time mm-hmm. with them, even if it's virtual and, and tried to just, I, this sounds super simple, but it's true. We want really smart people who are really good people. Yeah. And we've tended then also to attract people who are passionate about music, not, as a criteria that we said, you have to love music to come work here, but those are the people that are interested in the problems that we're solving and are excited to come work here. So I I think, I know I can speak for the whole team because we just recently had a little Slack love session about it, but we've just got a lot of good people who are working hard and trying to do the right thing. And that I think makes the biggest difference in general, when you're busy and trying to figure it all out, but especially this year when we're really trying to give each other leeway and still move fast, but mm-hmm. take some breaks. And it's just, it's gotten so much trickier. So yeah, I think that combination of really smart people who are motivated and just intrinsically excited about what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. plus like, people you like.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, definitely. Yeah, and so more specifically for you now also, is that um, oh, being a woman entrepreneur, uh, is that, have you noticed any unique I'm sure you maybe sometimes get asked about that being a, you know, female entrepreneur, mm-hmm. maybe there's some unique challenges that I will never know. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know,
1: So many where to start. Yeah. I, you know, I think I definitely have been fortunate and have found great mentors and good people who have helped navigate this along the way. My co-founder, Jeff, you know, he's, he's pretty fantastic. We've been in meetings, when, for example, I ask a question, a man across the table looks at him and answers him, and my co-founder will say, over to you, Laura. <laughs> Back yeah. to you. I mean, <laughs> there's just weird dynamics like that that happen sometimes in a room full of men because very often it is a room full of men. Yes. So there's that, you know, there's that aspect of it. Silicon Valley definitely has a pretty bad reputation for a good reason. You know, there are, I think it's 4% of VC venture capitalists right now are women, Mm -hmm. So more likely than not, you're going to be pitching for funding to a man. And there's just a weird dynamic of power that happens there, no matter what. So I've had some unpleasant run-ins, unfortunately, with with that kind of dynamic of power. You know, I think at the same time, I have some pretty incredible women in my network that I look up to and ask questions from and, and can get advice from as well. So. I've tried to focus on that aspect of it, both how do I, how can I build a network of really strong, powerful women that I can learn from? And then mm-hmm. also how can I hire more women in my own company? It's, it's hard <laughs> to be honest. It's hard, like particularly in a tech company, we have a really hard time finding female developers, for example.
0: Is that just because there's just not female developers out there? It's just not one of those areas that's populated by them?
1: It's a loaded question. Unfortunately, yeah. the, the answer I've heard with the best possible solution is that it just like there are tracks in learning that start in elementary school. And, mm-hmm. you know, boys are going to get pushed into engineering and math and biology and girls are going to go potentially a different rounds. So there is some work happening now around STEM education to try and balance that. Mm-hmm. But, it you know, there are generations old biases that say, oh, girls aren't good at math for example, yeah. you know, and, and so I think it's going to take a long time to correct, but yeah, they're just, you know, for example, we recently hired a senior developer who's phenomenal. We we're very lucky to have him, but in that application process, we looked at 200 plus developer mm-hmm. applications, two women. Oh, wow. I know. That's really crazy. Wow. Yeah. So back to your original question, you know, I think, um, there, it is no doubt a challenge and I am cautiously optimistic that my generation and the gals coming after me are, are at least making some headway.
0: Yeah. And it usually takes a generation for things for, you know, generally things like that to change when you're trying to really redefine a certain area.
1: At least. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's better to be optimistic and we kind of have no choice but to be optimistic
1: and just take action, you know, Mm -hmm. start with your, start with your own house, if you will. Like what's, how, how, what kind of dynamic am I creating? Am I trying to find women? Mm -hmm. Can I, can I diversify in general?
0: So entrepreneurs right now, um, it's uncertain. And I'm, I imagine raising capital right now, is a little different. Mm-hmm. So what advice do you kind of have for entrepreneurs when it comes to perhaps raising capital right now or they're in the early stages of their business?
1: Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, funding is down year over mm-hmm. year. I've seen the stats. It does vary quite a bit depending on which space you're in. So, for example, fitness, there have been a bunch of big rounds lately. Like there's there's still a lot of activity in digital fitness, other retail tech is harder right now for example you know there's a, it kind of depends on the vertical you're in um, in terms of raising capital I mean there there are a lot of things that are the same in the sense that you you know you need to have your narrative you need to have your metrics it always helps if you can to leverage your network to get introductions mm-hmm. that's always a good way to do it but now you're pitching over zoom and you're probably not gonna meet the people in person and that's very different. Um, there are some being prepared, being professional, showing that you care I, I think a lot of it actually to be honest is kind of the same as it always has been in terms of how you present and prep and pitch decks are important they you know they kind of always have been but I'd say you know this year for most verticals it's going to be a little bit tougher so probably, if you need to raise, you should probably start early. Like, mm-hmm. don't wait till the last minute because it's just going to take longer.
0: Where do you see um, uh, feed, feed going, I guess, in the next year or two?
1: Great question. We've got a lot of things cooking, as I mentioned. So we're, well, in the fitness space, one of the things that we've been working on is how do we help the... Now, 50% of roughly 50% of the market that was boutique studios or individual trainers or folks that didn't really have to worry about digital, digital previously, how do we help them make this transformation and play music legally?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not even charging, just trying to keep their cuss out where people are figuring out boutiques, for example, are figuring out, okay, I need a video strategy. I need to be able to monetize and I need a music solution So, so we're, we're really trying to find easy, lightweight, quick ways that are more browser based because we've traditionally done a lot of native apps and your local boutique studio is not developing their own app, right? There's just, they don't have time or money for that. So finding ways to help stream music legally with fitness content online. So it's a very simple streamlined solution. So that, I think that for us is going to continue to be a big push is just how do we, how do we help this kind of the the smaller end of the market there? Um, So that's on the fitness side, you know, more broadly, we're pretty excited about all of the opportunity, even beyond fitness. There's a lot of work that we're doing in the digital health space, for example. So finding ways to support music therapists who are trying to help stroke recovery patients, for example. So there are lots of music therapy applications that are just starting to get traction and we obviously want to be a part of that. It's super aligned with our mission. And also, I think as the insurers start to catch on that music therapy is legit, it's real, then there's also, the, I think, ultimately a really big opportunity there. We also recently, uh, just before lockdowns, actually released a product to support fitness studios in studio. So making it easy for them to stream music legally in studio. I'm sure you've taken fitness classes and seen people are just playing off their personal Spotify accounts. Mm-hmm. That's actually not legal. And increasingly because Spotify is for a personal use, not for a commercial. Um, huh.
0: so, <laughs> Interesting.
1: Yes. It's problematic actually. So finally, so we, we, when gyms are open and when people are back in person, we've got a solution that we're pretty excited about to make it easy for those instructors to do the right thing. Wow. And we're also, uh, so we do now currently work with a lot of international customers, but we're also pursuing additional international deals. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you know this, but music licensing and copyright laws, country by country, there's no way to do a global deal.
0: Nope. No idea. I know now, yeah. though.
1: Yeah, oh my goodness. Yeah. It's, it's a big undertaking, but you know, we're working on expanding our international catalog as well so that we can support again. So now everything's digital and Finnish companies want to be global. And so mm-hmm. we want to be able to support their users, whether they're in Italy or Brazil or U S with a great music experience.
0: Yeah. So like you mentioned, there's a lot of things to do.
1: A lot of things to do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Very important though. I'm curious, you know, during this whole lockdown thing, what's been the biggest life lesson or life realization that has come to you during this time?
1: Well, I think the ability to, so there's a saying I like that's interrupt anxiety with gratitude. Mm -hmm. I have, I have been very focused on my gratitude practice, which was already something that I was attuned to, but have realized how powerful it is. Mm -hmm. So really trying to lean out on that throughout this process. So when you start to spin out, just Think about everything you're thankful for, because even in the midst of all of this, you know, I, my family's healthy, knock on wood, our company's thriving there, you know, there's so much to be thankful for. And so I think I, I really want to strive to maintain that outlook, even as things settled down. And I have finally, after years of trying, gotten into a really regular and consistent meditation practice, which has been helpful, incredibly helpful as well. So finding, finding ways to just stop the mind, <laughs> you know, it's
0: tough. Yeah. Meditation is interesting. I mean, I have a, I have a whoop device on now and, you know, and um, the days I meditate, my resting heart rate is down. My HRV is up by these percentages points and I can see this, but it's still sometimes so, uh-huh. a resistance to just sit down and breathe. I just, mm-hmm. I just find that funny. You know, meditate, and I think it's just because we we just like to go and do things. And sometimes, the best thing for a lot of us entrepreneurs is to just be still for a minute. I
1: know it's so true. I'm a vi- I'm a chronic list maker and planner. I'm constantly <laughs> thinking about, it. and so I get a lot done. But yeah, sometimes you have to stop. I, what's been helpful for me is that I I now do it first thing when I wake up. Mm-hmm. Don't check it, no email. Same. Not even the weather, not the air quality, which is now an obsession here in the Bay Area. Uh-huh. But first thing, just sit down and, and get it done. And it's been helpful.
0: Yeah. Same here. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next thing is is around like your personal health and well-being. And so this is something that I would know is how do you juggle motherhood with being mm-hmm. an entrepreneur and, and your personal well-being?
1: I get up really early. I'll uh-huh. start with that. <laughs> so, um, it's, it is, it's always incredibly hard to prioritize yourself, you know, uh-huh. with it, with a small child, my daughter's two, and, and with a business, my, my trick or my, the thing that's helped me get it done is, as I mentioned, get up early, meditate, exercise, and it's done before she even wakes up. So it just, it happens every day. Oh, perfect. And, you know, I really, I try to find ways to be active with her Mm -hmm. as well. So she she's been practicing her jumping jacks, which is adorable and just arms flailing everywhere. <laughs> it's so crazy. And, you know, I, I prioritize exercise for her, too, because she sleeps a lot better and then everybody's happy. So I think finding ways to be active with her, even if it's literally just running laps in the house or, you know, doing whatever we can together. We do dance church together. Dance church is one of our Feed FM customers. It's um, every Wednesday and Sunday. It's an hour-long movement class, mm-hmm. and it's kind of free-form dance but exercise at the same time. Yeah. She loves it, so we do that together as well, which is a lot of fun. But yeah, I think you know the it is every mother's challenge to prioritize yourself, and especially with a business, and especially this year. Yes, when you know, everybody's had a really hard time and parents, I think, especially of, well, whether your kids in distance learning or not, because there's pluses and minuses of that, but it's just, yeah, it's been a, it's been a bit of a struggle, but I think we're, you know, f- making sure that I get it done first thing in the day is
0: helpful. Mm. So what's some of your go-to typical exercise routine? Are you like a runner? Are you, do you lift weights or is it a little bit of both? What's, what's your jam?
1: You know, I'm not a runner anymore. My knees took a lot of pounding over the years, so
0: uh-huh.
1: I, I'll do like a couple miles, but nothing mm-hmm. serious. Um, so I, I actually use one of our customers, the mirror. Do you know? Have you seen the mirror?
0: The mirror. I I sounds familiar.
1: It's it is it's a mirror. It's a full length mirror okay. that has an app attached to it, and you open it up, and you've got co- coaches on the mirror. So it's their image when you turn it on. And what I love about the mirror is it's such a great breadth of content. There's Pilates, there's toning, sculpting, weightlifting, there's, I mean, you name it, ballet, or not ballet, sorry, dance, dance, cardio. So all kinds of good stuff. So it's a good variety. So I try to get that in every day. But then I also, my husband and I are really into kettlebells. So we do a lot of kettlebell swinging and overhead, throwing heavy things around.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I got a few of those in the garage. (laughs)
1: You're lucky you did because they're really hard to come by now. They are. You know they're, they're sold out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I knew they were sold out. I had a friend. So I, I got, uh, luckily I knew someone, so I, oh, I got, nice. I got me one. So got a hook up. yeah, I got a hookup. Yeah. They've, they've been sold out for a while. Never thought I'd see the day kettlebells and dumbbells will be sold out.
1: I know it's crazy. Um, and then we do, we also have a pool. So when the air is clear, I'd like to do swimming. I like to swim as well.
0: Yeah. Hopefully the air clears.
1: I know I it's, I've probably said it several times throughout this conversation. I apologize. It's
0: just
1: on our minds right now. You know,
0: I bet because, you know, we were talking, like I said, before we uh, hit record that the lockdown is different for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. And for some people, the thing that's keeping them sane is at least being able to go outside and Mm -hmm. get some air to get a run in. And if you can't even do that, on top of everything else then i mean your stress is probably going to build up and you got to find a new outlet so i, I totally get yeah. it
1: yeah it's a struggle we've got now four air purifiers if that tells you what oh we're wow doing. yes yeah. it does yeah <laughs> so making it work making yes it work.
0: so uh, i'm curious what's your definition of success
1: hmm happiness okay uh, yeah I, you know I, I certainly but that's a simple word for, but it's loaded with a lot of things right so yeah. happiness meaning you can live comfortably
0: mm-hmm.
1: that you're fulfilled in what you do every day for work for me it's also about family and love friendships but it's it's all of that together and they at different points in time I focus more on one or one of those aspects more mm-hmm. you know? and so that now feeling fortunate that I've got a lot of those things cooking. It's just how do I put enough energy into each of them to keep them thriving and, and, you know, stay fulfilled and growing.
0: So as we wrap this up here, let's, I'm going to go through, I used to call this the rapid fire round, but one of my guests made a point that it's not too rapid fire with the questions I asked. So (laughs) I'm just going to call this the random questions round until I think of something better to call it. So the first thing is what are two to three books that have had a major impact on your life?
1: Favorite books, um, design your life. Oh,
0: that's a very good book. I, I just read that.
1: Yeah, did you do all the exercises?
0: Oh, mm. Most of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I really loved Becoming Supernatural by uh-huh. Joe Dispenza. He's he's a little bit out there for some people. Uh, he, he has talks about his mystical experiences, but some of his I love the way that he ties together quantum mechanics, quantum physics, biology, Meditation and, and with this whole worldview, I think there's some good stuff in there. And gosh, number three, I read a lot. That's a tough one. You know, a book that I really love that kind of got me into quantum physics a long time ago is the Dancing Wu Li Masters by Gary zukov Never
0: it's, heard of that. Let me. Write yeah, that. It's, it's probably Gary, ten or
1: fifteen years old at least. Gary now zukov yeah, the Dancing Wu Li Masters. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I was looking at my my nightstand the other day and I realized that quantum physics sort of underlie all of the books that I'm reading right now, like unintentionally. So, so I'm reading one called black hole blues mm-hmm. by Jan Levin about um, how do you measure, how do you find black holes? And it's through measuring sound and it's like the most infinitesimal tiny little movement, like a, like a breeze, jillion miles away. How do you find these things? Really interesting. Um, There's a book about sound healing that I'm reading right now as well, which is super interesting. Just how how increasingly we are able to use sound waves to heal the body. Very cool. And then the third one is another Joe Dispenza book called um, You Are the Placebo. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So yeah, lots of underlying. I, I think what I love about quantum physics is the way that it starts to bring together science and universe and spirit. And like, there's just some of it's just not, it's a, none of it's possible unless you realize that we, everything is connected and there's something really attractive in that to me.
0: Yeah. I have a very basic book on, I think it was quantum physics. I'm going to open up my Kindle real quick. Let's see. it. I think it's called, Oh, here it is. Why quantum physicists do not fail.
1: Mm, interesting.
0: So. another um, one. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the things I'm reading right now, but now you kind of guilted me into going back (laughs) and doing the rest of the exercises and design your life. So I'm going to go do the rest of my exercises. Oh,
1: it's so fun. I really loved, you know, planning out like four wildly different scenarios for your life five years from now. And then part of what they have you do is actually draw, like draw some things Mm -hmm. and it just, that gets the creative juices flowing. See
0: that made me, that makes me slow down a little bit and not just go do something.
1: Mm -hmm. so it's Mm kind of
0: like it's kind of in the same category as meditation so i'm resisting it so that usually means that i really need to do it it, so i'm gonna go do it
1: yeah good Awesome. (laughs) all right
0: so the next thing is um this this will probably be another tough one maybe um who's your all-time musical starting five these can be solo artists these can be groups they can be dead or alive if you had to pick five Mm -hmm. who are you going with
1: Mm -hmm. stevie wonder Tribe Called Quest, Al Green. Oh, this is really hard. I'm just thinking, like, who would I? Who do I always just put on? And I'm, it just makes me happy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It can be bands too. You said,
0: it can, yeah, it can be whatever you want.
1: Uh, I have to go Van Morrison. He just there's like childhood memories <laughs> associated with him that always just make me happy.
0: That's a first appearance.
1: A first appearance. Here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's the first a- <laughs> Van Morrison.
1: Nice, nice. Um, there's so many house artists that I think of too that I just are always like musically always make me happy. So who could I pick in that one? Gosh. That's a tough one. I, I have about a couple thousand vinyl records right now, so I'm mentally <laughs> just running running through my catalog.
0: I can, I can I can see it. I can see it here. You're just like I just I can see it. It's just like a catalog just flipping through. It's yeah. just flipping through right now.
1: You know, though, I re- like what I really listen to on a go to basis, King Tubby. I listen to a lot of dub reggae, so I'd have to say dub King reggae. Tubby.
0: Never mm-hmm. heard. Of that. Wow, you're giving me so much new material.
1: <laughs> I have a really great Spotify dub reggae playlist by the way, if you're interested
0: in. Yeah, I'll, I'll share it all people. You know, I, I'm always, um,
1: or for you personally. You, yeah. I would love I, to. Was that four or five? If there's, if I think that's were, five. Okay.
0: I think that's five, but if you want to keep on, you know, th- there's really no rules here. So if if you just want to keep rattling some more off, go right ahead.
1: I mean, Steel pulse is up there for sure for me. Okay. Reggae. Um, Okay, I'll leave it at that. that.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, we probably could have just made this podcast episode about just music, just talking about music. 100%, yeah.
1: (laughs) Genres, mixing them together. I think that's something that I miss a little bit too about sort of more, I know I sound like an old lady, but more old school vinyl DJs is the idea that you you picked your set, you brought Mm -hmm. 40 records, you pre-picked them, you, you intentionally blended them together and like put a lot of thought into what you were presenting versus having 5,000 MP3s on your computer. There's, I mean, there's something to be said for reading the crowd and doing it on the fly, hundred percent, but I just, there's something to me like old school romantic about really curating a specific set of music.
0: So do you think it just changed just because it's easier and you, you think that's why?
1: No, that's some of it, but also like culturally it just changed too. I mean that there are, these huge producers playing stadiums and arenas now and a lot of times those sets are pre-programmed they're not actually DJing which it cracks me up the way they stand up at the console and they're like tweaking knobs and running dials but really they're not doing much like maybe their volumes yeah maybe the volume's shifting a little bit but oh man
0: that kind of breaks my heart
1: sorry (laughs) Sorry.
0: (laughs) 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 so because because sometimes I see them up there and they're like really getting into it
1: and there are, and there are fantastic DJ slash yeah. producers who are actually doing live sets. But a lot of times if it's just two CDJs and a mixer in the middle, there's not even that much you can do. Like they act like they're playing piano up there, but
0: this is like seeing for the first time again. When, <laughs> yeah. I'm just seeing yeah. for the first time. Oh uh, man.
1: Sorry. I burst your bubble.
0: No, it's okay. I, I like it. I, I, I love to be, you know, showered with actual reality. So I'm, I'm okay when- with it. So, okay. <laughs> so okay. the next thing is here. Are you a wine drinker?
1: I am. Yes. Okay.
0: All right. So I think you have to be being where you are. I okay. think most people have to be a wine drinker being around there. I, I'm sure you have very like nice top shelf wine. Okay. So, um, so you have a bottle of wine and you can share it with three people at a round table for a nice discussion um, outside. The air quality is perfect. <laughs> it is magnificent and um who would these three people be that you would invite for a group discussion and this can be anyone throughout history they can be dead or alive and it has to exclude family
1: mm-hmm. you know i would really love to talk with tara brock she's a i like her Teacher, mm-hmm. meditation guru, and her, something about her, demeanor. I I've never obviously met her in person, but just listening to her it just brings calm and peace. Mm-hmm. And I just love her approach to things. So definitely invite Chara Brock. Who else would I like to have to dinner? Mm, Marvin Gaye. Can I invite Marvin Gaye? Yeah,
0: that's my favorite artist.
1: Oh, I just want to talk. I just want to, <laughs> I just want to know him. You know, I just really would love to know him. And I actually would really love to talk to Barack Obama as well. I mm-hmm. you know, just I just find him so fascinating and and interesting, and yeah, I think that's my three that's
0: a very like soulful, rich conversation <laughs> there you <laughs> know just a good conversation just a lot of a lot of love and joy there, you know so like that would be a very good conversation
1: I would like that evening, I would like that dinner,
0: yeah, you can get a concert out of it, you know you can ask Marvin Get can, can just... perform it why not yeah. if, I,
1: if he's come back from the dead for dinner, then maybe Yeah.
0: <laughs> Do you have a favorite Marvin Gaye song or album?
1: Um, well, I, I, to, I think after the dance is actually my favorite Marvin Gaye song. Oh,
0: wow. This might That's be my favorite guest. Deep, deep yeah. No, cut. no. I see. I, 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 love it. I love, I listened to, um, I listened to that whole, I want you album. Mm-hmm. Um, I write to that album. It's like meditative. Mm-hmm. I listen to it so much that mm-hmm. it's, I just play it all the time. I love after the dance
1: i know i have some really good house remixes of it too
0: oh i gotta hear those yeah So
1: but, you know they're, they're old, super old white labels like i'm sure it was bootlip bootleg like they didn't pay for the sample mm-hmm. so i protect like i could never find them again so I, those are protected in a special case
0: oh, awesome <laughs> but at least you did it that's that's awesome though um so the last thing here is um Someone comes up to you, taps you on the shoulder, the whole social distancing things. It's a, it's a bad memory in the past. So we're back, okay. to, we're back to the world as we know it. Once again, the air quality is fantastic. And they tap you on the shoulder. A girl comes up to you and says, Lauren, what are three things that I can do to start becoming a superhuman entrepreneur today? What mm. three things would you tell her?
1: Always learn. Always be learning. Mm-hmm. So constantly reading, asking questions you know, tapping into all of the millions of VC blogs that now exist. Uh So, so just always, always learn. I think number two would certainly be to don't invest your time in something you don't really believe in. Mm -hmm. So if you think it's a cool team and they've got money and you're going to give it a shot, if you don't believe in the product and you don't believe it's solving a real problem, don't waste your time. And number three, find good partners.
0: That's awesome. So awesome. I love the practicality of that. And where can listeners and anyone that wants to keep up with you, where could they go?
1: Well, I can send you my Mixcloud link. If they want to listen to some music. Okay. Um, so it's mixcloud.com slash Lauren Lee, but I'll send okay. that to you. Um, certainly I, I publish lots of stuff on LinkedIn. So if they want to come find me, Lauren puff Paff. and I write, loads of content on our blog on feed.fm. It's just feed.fm.
0: Okay. And I will include all of those that was just mentioned just in case you are driving right now. I want you to <laughs> focus or if you're getting a run right now to keep running, don't stop. And so uh, I will have that on the show notes and everything. So once again, Lauren, thank you so much for joining me. This thank was you. an awesome conversation. Thank I really you. Appreciate
1: I really that. Appreciate it. Yeah. Have
0: a great day. All right, everyone stay awesome and be limitless. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. I definitely appreciate it. I hope you are 1% better. I hope you took a little tidbit, nugget, or insight out of this conversation and that you can take it and implement it immediately into your life. If you are a new listener, this is your first time here, welcome. Thank you so much for stopping by. I hope we made a great first impression and that you're going to stick around. And in the meantime, go back and binge some of the awesome episodes that we have in the archive. And if you are a continued listener, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for allowing me to be in your earbuds a few times a week. I definitely appreciate it. It means the world to me. I'm going to keep doing my best to bring valuable information to you and to bring awesome guests from way different industries and to all mesh it in one big thing. Because, you know, the mission here is to mesh the science with the business and truly create something a little different than the typical health and fitness podcast out there. So in the meantime, this episode was awesome with Lauren. Probably my favorite thing was when she said interrupt anxiety with gratitude. And it's especially important right now. There's a lot of stuff going on to say the least. And to simply stop and give gratitude that life isn't really so bad. Simple, but powerful advice. And that's the best type I enjoyed this conversation, especially when we got to talking about music. So, check out her playlist. It's in the show list in the show notes. And until next time, stay awesome, be limitless, and enjoy the song. Peace.